Aloha, party people. You are listening to Inside the Desert Oasis Room, episode number 191. This episode is sponsored by the Tiki Bar T-Shirt Club, where their monthly t-shirt designs pay tribute to a Polynesian bar or restaurant from days long past. Each design is available for a limited time and will never be produced again. For the collectors out there, be sure to check out their subscription program, where they offer a discounted 3, 6, or 12-month plan, or you can always buy shirts one at a time. For more information and to check out this month's shirt, visit tikibartshirtclub.com. This podcast is brought to you in part by the Tiki Tea, a family-owned and operated tropical drink bar in Los Angeles, California. Come get their house specialty, The Ray's Mistake, for only $6 on Wednesdays until 9 p.m. For more information, check out their website, tiki-ti.com. If you have a product, service, or event that you'd like to bring attention to, we can help. This podcast reaches thousands of listeners in over 100 countries every week. Imagine hearing your ad in this spot, just like you're hearing this one right now. Sponsor an episode and get the exposure you deserve. For more information, go to DesertOasisRoom.com and click on Services. Our adventure from Tiki Oasis continues at the Hotel Valley Ho in Scottsdale, Arizona, as we welcome lowbrow and tiki artist Odd Rodney. On this episode, recorded from the grounds of Arizona Tiki Oasis, we chat with Rodney about his lowbrow background, his philosophy and art, what inspires him creatively, and so much more. As always, I hope you enjoy this episode as much as we did bringing it to you. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider helping us with your support during this challenging time. Stop by DesertOasisRoom.com to check out our merch or leave us a tip. We've got pendants, t-shirts, glassware, and more. And every purchase or donation, no matter the size, is very much appreciated and helps keep this podcast coming to you every week. All righty, grab a Mai Tai and join us at Arizona Tiki Oasis and give it up for my friend, Odd Rodney. super stoked to actually have it happen this is aloha great. so uh thanks for joining the podcast thank you for having me so for our listeners the voice that you are hearing is our friend odd rodney from phoenix arizona we've been wanting to have rodney on the show for a long time and we've been privileged to finally have him on the show here while we're in town for tiki oasis how's everything going for you it's going good. It's kind of a blur. It's good to actually have an event because we haven't been able to have these for so long. Right. So um, kind of burning the midnight oil for an extended period of time. So I am tired, but seeing people and getting to see old friends and running on adrenaline and stuff. It's just it's been a really good day. I'm as tired as I've ever been, but it's I'm just. Yeah. I love yeah. It. I, you know, the thing is, these events, you, you always have like this perpetual feeling of tiredness, maybe slightly hungover. You, you never sleep comfortably, right? No. So it, it's like when you go to Vegas, right? I've never been to Vegas and felt 100%. I've always 
felt sleep deprived. You need a vacation from your vacation. Yeah, yeah, completely. When you prepare for an event like this, how long does it take? How much time ahead of the event do you have to actually start working it well, to have the products that you are going to be offering? This, well, and uh, to be honest, I haven't I haven't done a lot of vending. This Oasis will probably I mean, I'm not keeping track, but it's under 10 times that I've actually gone out and actually set up at an event, whether okay. it was here locally or um, in California. This time around, I knew I had limited time, so I kind of looked at the calendar and tried to work backwards. But in in this scenario, with everything else that was going on with life, I probably I had some stuff that was already done, but maybe about a month in advance or so, but ideally it would be two or three. Okay. So two or three months then. Two or three months, and that's, because especially with ceramic mugs, I mean, that ceramics that is now kind of taking over my life, that's something that you have to really plan ahead, and it's not something that you can really yeah. rush through. I mean, you can, I've done all-nighters, but the time well, is what was, the time is like you said ceramics you can't rush through no. there's there's a there's a cooling off process sure. the whole thing so before we get into the ceramic stuff i want to talk about your background because i got something from you like years and years and years ago i don't know if you ever remembered that someone commissioned you to do a little piece of art for me and it was before you were really kind of in the tiki scene you were still kind of Doing a lot of car culture stuff, custom culture stuff, possibly. Yeah, so let's talk about your background because I'm curious how that that, that whole origin story, how you got started as an artist. Are you a full-time artist? Is that all you do? I'm a full-time artist. That is what I do now um, for a living. I mean, I've I've been in that place before and I took a hiatus for different reasons, but now I am back 100% full-time artist, self-employed, um, making my own stuff, but also doing commission work and stuff like okay. that as well. Okay. So was that always your goal or how did you end up becoming an artist? Um, it's just, I don't know. Everybody always tells you as a kid growing up, like if you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. So it's just something that I've, I've always been passionate about to one extent or another. I have a broad range of interests. So mm-hmm. It's always been easy for me to find something that I that I enjoyed and I wanted to make. Um, so, and then I actually is my, and this might be off topic, but my senior year uh, when I was getting my degree, my, I actually have a fine arts degree. Mm-hmm. Um, with a, my major was sculpture, and I have a minor in art history. So when I was closing out my um, my bachelor of fine arts degree, I actually worked at a theming company in Tempe, Arizona. So I did a lot of that um, commercial work. So I did a lot of the Build-A-Bear toy store stuff. Oh, you all, did? Yeah. So all that, all that stuff that like I worked on years and years ago. And one of our biggest clients was Mattel Toys. We did stuff for Disney on okay. Ice and things right. like that. So it was at that range that I realized that even if it wasn't high art, I could make a living working with my hands in a creative way, making objects. So that just kind of like, that kind of, took me into that realm from a commercial from a commercial artist standpoint commercial sculptor I guess you would say and then of course it made me crave doing my own things because after you work on giant teddy bears for 40 hours a week I mean it's cool because they're out there but 
I never want to make another like giant teddy bear again as long as I live. <laughs> you know, I just don't. It's cool. Everybody right, remembers right. that. But at the same time, it's kind of embarrassing to be like, well, you might know me from Build-A-Bear. Right, right. Which is cool because everybody knows it. But, you know, it's like, yeah, that's you know me from that. But don't judge me. By that, so. so it's funny that you say that because when you use the term high art. Yeah. I, I'm going to say this. Okay. So. You know, it's all subjective, right? Absolutely. So what you may define as high art, I may think is, you know, horrible, right? And vice oh, versa. it's all subjective, 100%. It's all subjective. 100%. And as somebody who created, like, you know, and the way that you even spoke about this Build-A-Bear stuff, you almost spoke about it in this kind of, like, like you were embarrassed about it sure, or whatever. Sure. No, but, but the truth is that, like, when you make the, the those things... You affect a person's life and you bring Absolutely. happiness. You bring happiness to the people that you create that art for. And whether you're a tiki artist and whether you're a quote unquote high art or you're a graphic designer or whatever kind of art you do, if you're bringing joy to people's lives, who are, are we to say that one is better than the other? You know? Well, and I mean, if I just to speak to that, I think. I think my definition of that, just to kind of clear that up, and you're right. I mean, I did. There, there, there is a little. I wouldn't say embarrassment because that was great work. It was yeah. into and like what you said. It made so many kids happy. That's what got me through the day when I was laying hand laying fiberglass here. Sure. You know, at 120 degrees in the summertime. Wow. wow. So and it was all hand done stuff. And yeah, I agree. The thing is, and then the other thing is, the other end. When I said high art, once again, I mean, I have an art history background too. So I mean, you, you know, I. I don't know everything, but you kind of judge it by that, too. But, yeah, well, you're educated in that. But I, I guess I'm looking at it this way, too, right? You have people that – I have friends that work in the animation industry. Sure. And they draw cartoon characters. And then I know people that do street art, graffiti art, which I think you know a lot of it is really, really great, in my opinion. Yeah. And really, really different. And what makes, like, a Jackson Pollock any better than, like, you know – a guy that, you know, there's a, an artist, for example, by the name of Seen, S-E-E-N. He's a graffiti artist who goes all the way back to like the 70s that's been doing graffiti art on subway trains in New York. And he's at the top of his game as a graffiti artist. They call him the godfather of graffiti, as a matter of fact. And But it's graffiti art. And so people put their nose up to that just because it's graffiti art. But this guy's been in the game for like 40 years. Sure. Well, and... And I would say to that, it's, once again, like you said, it's all subjective. It's all 100% subjective. So, like, you you know, you brought up Jackson Pollock. If I had the money, would I spend the money that those go for? Absolutely not. It doesn't mean that that's better than exactly. graffiti art. That's at, exactly what I'm getting at. At all. That's exactly what I'm getting and at. What, and to go, you know, circle back to, like, Build-A-Bear, like, the Build-A-Bear stuff, it was cool stuff. But I, it wasn't my passion. It was, it was just a job I was yeah, doing. Yeah. So, so the stuff that I do for myself, my heart's in it. So that means more to me. I mean, if, and I mean, if I was really dedicated, like in my heart, I was like, I need to make some giant teddy bears. This is my calling. This is what I want to be known for. Then I would probably have it in my own mind, like at a more elevated status than it was just like, that's what I'm doing to get this paycheck right now yeah so and i agree with you 100 percent. i mean a lot of that it's just a lot of it's marketing a lot of it's 
you know, can you actually hang it on your wall? Mm-hmm. Is it edgy enough? Is it mm-hmm. safe? You know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm not an art critic and I will never be a person to go in there and be like, well, that's, you know, that's garbage or anything like that. Right. I think anybody who's got the passion behind it and you find, you know, for lack of term, you find your tribe that digs what you're working on, that they're passionate about it. They understand what you're doing. Like those are your people. So for me, and it's not that I don't like Jackson Pollock because I do. I mean, but he's a very famous name that did a very abstract style of paint, you know, application that, you know, that, and that was the thing. It was kind of poo-pooed for lack of better word mm-hmm. that, you know, well, like, oh, anybody can do that. Anybody can throw a paint on the canvas. Well, you can say that, but guess what? You didn't do it. So yeah. talk as much smack as you want, but. Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's talk about your influences because you're doing, say, the Build-A-Bear stuff. And obviously it's something that you, it's not, I, I bet it's not what you went to art school for. <laughs> no. <laughs> so what were, what, what are the influences early on in your career and how did that change over the years? Okay. And, and, and what did those, what, what did that change into? So, and why? Okay. So I, I mean, I've thought about this. A bit because, you know, only after you have some bit of success, people will ask you like for an artist statement or like kind of background. They don't ask you that normally. It's like, well, what's it come from? So I had to kind of analyze it a little bit. And, and the truth of the matter is, for for me, I grew up in, I'm, a, I'm an only child. I grew up in a very religious household. Um Seventh-day Adventist, so there were no Saturday morning cartoons for me growing up. There was, I mean, there were just certain things that were just not, you know, allowed in my household. Sure. So I had, and we and we rambled along because my dad did rodeo, and so we traveled. We were on the road a lot. But I had a lot of family over in, like, Huntington Beach and stuff like that, all my cousins. So when we go to visit my cousins, who were living a very, you know, in my parents world a very secular life my cousins were awesome because they would be like they give me like old ed ed big daddy roth model kits and stuff they give me their hand-me-down stuff you know they introduced me to batman and robin so i got my first like mego batman and robin from them and like just you know goofy little creatures and stuff and trading cards i i thought i won the lottery as a kid when my cousin took me to the quickie mart and like dropped like, what do you want in this store? And I, yeah, of course, I wanted like yeah. all the junk and all the trading cards. Yeah. So those things, even though they were worthless little pieces of plastic or whatever at the time, those turned into my treasure. So that was like stuff that I really wasn't supposed to have. Okay. It seems harmless, right? But at that point in time, that was... So I gravitated more and more towards um, the custom culture scene because one of the things I loved was the the wacky packs with like the yeah. the uh, the odd rods and stuff like that the automobiles is that where the name came from so no it's it's not and a couple people have asked me that and i mean the the real story is a really boring story but if you want to know i will tell you oh yeah of course so the the odd rodney thing came from i i've had i've had multiple incarnations of self-employment over the years okay and um but the closest relation is at one point I was like, all right, I'm doing my own business. I'm going to do this. I'm going to call it Rodities. Okay. And 
my wife and I were having breakfast and she's like, this is awesome because you make odd stuff. You make oddities. It's just rodities. So I had, I mean, I had like t-shirts printed. I had a huge, at the time I was driving a 1964 Ford station wagon. All it right. was just like a giant. Awesome. So I had vinyl in the back. I love it. And, uh, I was so proud of it. Like I had pinstripe logo yeah, and everything because yeah, yeah, yeah. I was doing a lot of custom culture stuff. I was so proud. And then I would go to some place and somebody see it and they'd be like, what does that say? Is it Rod, Rod Diddy's? Rod, Rod Diddy's? And I was like, oh man, you got to be <laughs> kidding me. But this is when like the internet was yeah, yeah. fairly, I'm an old man. So this is when the internet was new, like dial-up still happened. So nobody would remember the website. You would have to like, you know, you could spell it. They wouldn't remember. And so I was just like, they don't remember. They don't know the name. They can't hang on to it. And, you know, my introduction to all this stuff was through like people like Big Toe right. and, right. you know, all these people using the pseudonames and stuff. And I've always made odd stuff. So it was just like odd Rodney makes sense. It's easy to remember. It's easy to spell. I can say it to people. They'll remember it. And so... It was just kind of like, at the time, it was just a safe option to get out of Rod Diddy's. Yeah. <laughs> which sounds just so stupid right now. Like, I'm admitting now, it. Now, when you say it out I, loud, right? By the way, if anybody wants, I have some vintage Rod Diddy's t-shirts in my closet. <laughs> Seriously, they're like 15 years old. I have them. I you swear know, I gotta to God. I got to have one now. I got <laughs> to have, to have one now. I have sweatshirts. Um, Yeah, no, but I was. it was just like, it just didn't. It didn't stick. It didn't roll off the tongue. Yeah. And now, I mean, I mean, that's who I am, and that's I'm proud to have that. I'm proud that people, you know, aware of me. But you know, now I'm I'm doing some more mid-century modern flair stuff, which which is kind of, I don't know, it doesn't jive. But I mean, that's just who I am, and if people you, get it, people get it. You, you know? said you were coming from uh, what it was like hot rod culture, lowbrow stuff. Yeah. Well, and that was kind of my gateway drug to to this thing. I mean, okay. I lo- always loved tiki, but it was. It was that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's seeing. all kind of like interconnected. Yeah. They're all cousins, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, Extended family. Okay. But now <laughs> you're actually doing mostly tiki stuff. I mean, you've, yeah. you've kind of like transitioned across. Yeah. Was there something that influenced you specifically? Or was that just a natural transition? There's, there's a couple things. The first thing is that I would do... Um, you know, I, I did gallery, gallery shows at um, Gasoline Gallery in El Segundo and stuff, which is always a great time. And I love I love vintage cars and everything. If I like, if I was going to pick a time era for me to go back to and live in, it'd be like 58 through 63, not be based on anything other than the design of everything. Right, right. Solely 100% the way people dressed, 100% cars, whatever you're drinking out of, the way people dress. I mean, I'm not a... And it's funny that you say... Dresser, but that's, that's my window... It's funny you say specifically 58 to 63 because I know what you're saying. No. So we have... Is that the, the atomic age? Future it's the atomic awesome. age. And like yeah. and everything changed after 63. Yeah. Everything changed from this the atomic age where cars looked like spaceships. Yep. And in 64, everything became boxy. Everything started to go square. Yeah. And there's a theory about that. So the theory is that there is this particular piece of medium called foam core and it was a new medium that was introduced to the public that art students started using 
And you know what foam core is. I do. I use and, it all the time, which so, is making me think you're going to talk me out of using it in the future. Now. No, no, no. I'm just saying that th- <laughs> that we we went from cars with curves and tail fins sure. yeah. to cars that cars that were boxy. They lost their curves because they were being modeled uh, with foam core. Well, and those guys, you watch some of those old videos. I mean, those guys at GM, Chrysler, all that stuff. It was. It was like several hundred pounds of clay on a yeah, wood bulk yeah, going yeah. sculpting that whole thing. I could watch those. All I love it, day man. It, it, yeah, it, it's 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 kind of strange to me because the way that they would make the frames for these clay forms was not the way that we would think that they did. They would they would use these like it was almost like the fins of a fish, right? Where they would yeah. use these slatted. They do all the ribs all the way. Yes, down. ribs yeah. all the way down from the front structure. bumper to the rear bumper. And they would somehow form the shape of the car that way, right? Which it, it's it's, in my opinion, out of the box thinking for someone that is not an artist. You know, it's hard to see the shape of the car when you do it that way. But that's how they were doing it. But I'm sure they had dimensions that they had to follow into for sure. full size and whatever they wanted. And then, you know, there's parameters given. But I mean, those a lot of those forms were hand. Yeah, formed yeah. by human hands, even though there were, you know, obviously tools involved, but that's where you kind of get that organic, like just goodness. I don't, I don't know. You can't. There's, there's no way to cheat that. It's like yeah. it either works or it just falls a little bit short. And when it falls right. a little bit short, it's a failure. <laughs> so, totally, totally. My once again, my opinion. So, so. Uh, Let's talk about all that because so you, you transition from all that stuff. Fifty eight to sixty three is that window that you like. Is the tiki stuff also falling in that window? For for me, it is because well, I mean, it's specifically right now with what I'm doing. I've done I've done tiki work over over the years, um, you know. And people have asked me like why I don't do palm carvings. The reason I don't do palm carvings is there's a lot of incredible people carving sure. palm. Yeah. If I would take that on, like, I wouldn't want to be a mediocre palm carver. I'd want to be a great one. So. And that's a fair answer. I mean, like, there there are. So, so I got to bring something new to the table. Sure. And it's not that I'm afraid to compete with these guys. No. No. Not it's at all. It's just that. Like they're doing such a good job. Can I, can I bring something new? It's to a it? completely different discipline of art, too. Absolutely. Right. You have oil painters that are artists and you have palm carvers that are artists they're both artists but they specialize in something completely different from each other sure yeah yeah that makes sense so i mean and for me right now i mean i love like i already told you my window right so like i love mid-century modern i love tiki and i mean i've I've been doing some of this stuff since like the the mid to late 90s is when i started my yeah, first yeah. my first carvings um, but the mid-century modern thing is just, it's just, I love it. So try for me, it's a really good creative challenge to take, like, if you notice, like some of the, I'm going to talk about the mugs right now, but the, the staples, the, the mugs that I, in a very short period of time that, you know, I've been blessed, but there's been a lot of time thinking like, how can I take this iconic design and break it down to you know, some very classic mid-century modern minimalistic forms, but still pay homage to the original yeah, thing, but, yeah. but give it, just give it an, enough of a new spin that somebody else just didn't 
see. Yeah. So for whatever reason, because I, I focus on that, like it's, I've been lucky that I've been able to come up with some, in my opinion, and apparently people like them, they buy them. So I've been able to come up with some really good designs that I don't feel like take anything away from the original. Yes. If anything, you, I think you appreciate the original more, but I've been able to kind of just put my little thumbprint on it and like, yeah, that's my, that. that's my take. And that's, totally that's the way I'm that. trying to embellish or add add to the community and not take away from it so yeah so and the way that i see it and the way that i'm interpreting what you're saying is that you're taking a piece of art putting your personality into it without compromising what it's supposed to be and at the same time maintaining the integrity of the piece just staying respectful to what it's true character or personality is well and that's the hope i mean there's so we're looking at this this square oh. this square suffering bastard mug right here that's yeah that's super my. mid-century super modern super odd rodney but <laughs> it's not done in a disrespectful way it still looks like a suffering bastard that i mean it's very tasteful and it's very respectable to what it is but it's your own spin. Yes. You know, that's actually really tough to do. Oh, no, I, I agree. And well, that's some of the things I've, I've had. I've had a few people be like, oh, my God, it's so simple. And it's like you have no idea that how many sketches. Yeah, exactly. So it's just because it's not because it isn't visually complicated that there's a lot of work to try to figure sure. that yeah, out. Yeah. I mean, this this particular suffering bastard mug. I mean, for once again, going back to the mid-century modern thing, we have a lot of mid-century modern furniture in our home. Yeah. We've been collecting that yeah. stuff for over 20 years. We have stuff now that we bought when it wasn't cool that I couldn't afford to buy now because yeah. the price has gone up. Because it's gone up. So one of my favorite designer, furniture designers, is a, he was an architect, American architect. He's named Adrian Persall. And we were lucky enough to purchase um, a couch, a gondola couch, and a couple matching chairs. So... I found his stuff, but he actually made this incredible chair. It's called the Grasshopper Chair. And it has this incredible footrest that goes with it. So it's all walnut, you know. I know that chair. So if you look at the legs on the Suffering Bastard. Oh, Bastards, yeah, yeah, It totally. is 100% totally unapologetic. <laughs> like if you know the Grasshopper Chair, once you see it, you can't unsee yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's funny that you, and you're right. And I would have never thought that until you mentioned that. But I mean, once you see it, you can't no, unsee you it. see it. Yeah, completely. Yeah. I so, love it. So, you know, and and the truth is that particular mug from from a standpoint of actually making something, it was a dumb choice to do four legs floating in space because sure. when this thing isn't, you know, sure. fresh out of the mold, it doesn't support its weight. Sure. So sure. there's some trickery. And craftiness so, so, that goes on to make them. Well, that's get there. that's part of the artistry. So that's part of the. But artistry. I'm really proud because of that's that. part of the process. And, and I'm proud of that design. I love that design. I feel like it doesn't take anything away from the classic. Not at all. And I think that you know, our our friend Ross actually posted up a a picture of like my mug with you know a traditional style. Yeah, yeah he did. Trader Vic's yeah. suffering bastard. And I mean, when you see them side by side, you can see that I just kind of like flipped the form or. The original is narrow on top. Now that you mention that, I totally see it. 
Wow. So it's, that's pretty cool. So it's 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 in a lot of ways it's kind of a reverse. Wow. Of the, but it, so when you dude, you, I love it. But if you put them together, yeah, 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 the forms they yeah. still have the legs. They still have this. Totally. The, the forms one is flared this way, one is flared that way. So they can. They can be they can be buddies. Yeah, we can all yeah. get along. Can't we all get along? We can all get along. So, <laughs> as a creative person, you know, I, I this thing that I do right when I do this podcast and I do the YouTube stuff. Somebody that creates content, I mean, you create a different kind of content. Your content is an actual physical product, right? Sure. The content I create just happens to be digital. But when you're creating content or a product or whatever you want to call it creativity can sometimes be challenging <laughs> yes <laughs> let's talk about like the, the creative process for you so as an artist i'm sure you've had creative blocks more than once oh it's a constant it's a constant challenge how do you get past that um me personally i mean i've had i've had a lot of life changes in the last couple of years so i mean i've I would like to say that I've grown a lot as a human being. And part of that is taking a moment. I, I, I'm proud to admit it. I am a meditator now. Oh, so dude, there's nothing wrong with that. It's changed that, you know, that's changed my life. It's made me, um, a more focused person. So, you know, clearing your mind and just kind of letting thoughts kind of come in and come mm -hmm. out and something mm -hmm. sticks my personal process is I have no shortage of ideas. If I live to be 170, I would never be able to make them all. But I I get ideas and then I just kind of have this, me personally, I have this kind of test where they kind of they sit in my head mm -hmm. and they kind of bounce around. Mm -hmm. And if I remember the idea in a week, I know I... I, I like that one, so I'm ready to invest a little more thought process into it. Some time I fall in love with it a little bit more, and I mean, depending on my schedule, I always have so many things going on. Um, but if I get to that point where I'm like, I have to make this, mm -hmm. then I know that I'm going to be in it. My heart's going to be in it 100. percent I'm committed to it on a personal level to the point where I'm committed to make it, whether it is something that sells or doesn't sell. Like I'm committed. Like at that point I have to make it, I have to see it through just for myself. If okay. Nothing else. So that leads me to another question because you know, there are times when people put effort into a process or a piece and they spent so many hours in it. And you know, maybe you have this piece that you have in your head and you put in like an hour, two hours. Let's forward that now to 50 hours. Let's forward that now to a hundred hours. Yep. Is there a time where you end up abandoning that saying like, you know, I'm just not getting what I want or do you keep going because you say I'm a hundred hours in, I am not going to give up. What's funny is if I'm committed to it, I will see it through. No matter what. No matter if I'm committed to it, it's, it ain't over till it's over. So okay. I, and, and that's one of the. I want it's a, it's a hindrance, but it's also a luxury that's when you thing. work for yourself. Okay, well that's the thing because like, you know, there maybe there's a time where you, you just have to like from your work for yourself, and there's a time where you have to just cut your losses. Do you ever make peace with that? I'm I'm not good at that, so I will 
just suffer my way yeah, through it. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's projects, there's things that I've that I've taken on where I get like halfway through and I'm just like, okay, man, like I know you love this, but like at some point you have to you have to reel it in a little bit. And I'm not saying that I I'm completely abandoned all common sense or whatever, but I mean there are points where you know I'll reel it in. The thing is, is I'm just a person who I I really just I just don't like to cut corners on stuff. Sure. Um, Perfectionism can be a curse too. Well, but see, and I and see, and people have told me that too. They're like, "Oh, you're such a perfectionist." But the thing is, is I would I would counter with I I know that perfection doesn't exist, and even if it even if you get perfection, per, perfection, perfection, it is it's for that fleeting second. From that minute on, then everything is like, you go buy a brand new car, you roll it off the lot. It ain't perfect anymore. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, well, that's a you, great point. So, so that's I a mean, great point. So, I mean, at some point you have to, you have to accept stuff. You have to realize that, I mean, I am making 100% handmade goods. I have yeah, no employees. Yeah. It is a hundred percent on myself. And I might be a little bit hard on my quality control, but I mean, it's got my name, it's got on, your name it. on it. I totally get that. I totally get that, and I and I and I have nothing, nothing against manufactured products. I love them. I own tons of them, but in my and I will do sculpts and have them manufactured because that's that's the way people get good stuff. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I I often say you know there's all these arguments, especially in this tiki subculture about you know authenticity and what things cost and you know is this tiki is this not tiki and blah 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 and you know i'm an old school traditionalist kind of guy and i do believe that there's a place for high end and low end but if 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 everything is like, you know, if there are people that don't have that attention to detail, the perfectionism or anything like that, then we just live in a sea of mediocrity. You know, you have to have somebody who has the passion to create things from their heart and wants it to be at a specific level. Because sure. if it's not, then everything is just going to be okay. You know? Well, and, and that's just, I mean, that's just kind of how we've been trained that's a like a that's a comment on society in general not just tiki sure. culture yeah you know that's just kind of the way that things are right now you know it's if it's acceptable it's okay but it's like if you exceed that level then it's awesome yeah but, yeah so i mean everybody's seems cool with it at sometimes but then that's what separates the everyday from the extraordinary yeah yeah so so I want to get into the mindset of an artist because artists no have, always, have always been. You, you might hear an echo. <laughs> Maybe a couple of couple of beans in a tin can. <laughs> if I'm and, lucky, it's a two bean day. And there you go. I, I'm, I'm saying that obviously lovingly as a joke. But, you know, artists have always been considered eccentric and out of the box and... You Thanks know, for the compliment. Flamboyant and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> right? So I want to kind of uh, delve into that particular mindset. Okay. 
do you have like any uh, kind of eccentricities, OCD or anything like that? I don't know that I've ever been diagnosed. <laughs> if I opened your, the pantry in your house, labels are facing all different directions. It they doesn't okay. matter. It's, okay. it's just chaos. I know that there's cans of food in that thing, and I will rummage through them till I find what I know is in there. But it's not organized. Okay, okay, and that's what I'm getting at. Because like, <laughs> if you were to open my pantry, it's like that only because I have a wife and kids. But if I were living alone. Everything would be facing forward. As of yo, the med- medicine cabinet in my bathroom, everything's facing forward. Smallest bottles on the front to the largest bottles in the back. I don't alphabetize them, but I do categorize them so that I have all of my particular. Like if you open my refrigerator, all the hot sauces are on the same shelf. Uh, you know what I, I'm saying? I'm like, envious of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm curious. Like you know, again, is we're exploring the mindset of an artist because is it. Is it as chaotic as people kind of imply, or is it more orderly? You know, you know, like w- when you approach a piece, like when I look at your pieces, they 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 are pretty like <laughs> perfect. They are per- perfectly square or perfectly round or perfectly symmetrical. And when it, but when you open your pantry, it's chaos. Oh no, it's chaos, and my workspace is complete and utter chaos as well. That's interesting to me. No, it's like it. If you, you you see the finished product and you would assume that I was maybe working in some kind of clean room, possibly. No, man. It like when I'm slip casting, especially in the summer here in Arizona, I'm in like a tank top, boxers and flip flops, pouring that stuff in my garage where nice. it's 122 degrees. I'm I'm just doing the work and getting it done. Uh, so let's talk about the perfectionism angle now. So we have this mug here that I don't see any flaws. I think it looks really great. Thank and you. It's, it's obviously quality control thing for you. And that's why you're drinking out of it and you don't, you, you're telling me. Because if I drop it, I don't care. You can't sell it. Well, <laughs> please don't say that because if you don't care about that, I'll, I want it. So, well, I, so I don't see the flaw. But so uh, let's talk about the perfectionism side. So like you have, how many of these did you make? Let's, for example. So... <clears throat> Specifically, the Suffering Bastard mugs. When I first started the thing, I thought I was maybe going to... I love the design, so I was like, people would really like these. I would like to make yeah. it open-ended. And then after I made a few of them and realized how much time it was going to take, and then each one of these... And that's what's crazy. Once again, why would you do this? Only because I had an idea in my head, right? So it takes me... For each one of those mugs, I have at least an hour and 30 minutes hand-sanding the seams wow. out. So even though it's a Holy cast, moly. So even, well, but that's how you get the crisp lines. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you, I don't, you know, you can make a really solid mold, but even after you pull 10 castings oh, out Oh, there's of mold, always, yeah, yeah. So you're going to have some flat, well, I call it flashing, which is basically where the two seams in the mold come together and, you know, yeah, clay well, that, that is So you that have to flashing, clean that up yeah. no matter what. So, I mean, it, it turned into one of these things where it was like, it's a beautiful mug, but it takes, you know, over an hour and a half to cast it. It takes over an hour and a half to hand clean it up. Then you go through the thing, and it's stoneware. So yeah, yeah. you can, you can. I mean, in one mug, even though I've already done the sculpt and everything, I can already have, like, I don't know, three, four plus hours into making it, putting it in the kiln, and it can go wrong in the glaze firing stage, and then it's junk. Right. So... Right now, in my garage and in my house, out of those, I have like about 
20 rejects that are sitting around. That's what I was getting to. That's what I wanted to know was how much of these do you end up considering waste? For this particular mug, I I have on average I'm losing about in between eight and ten percent if I was going to throw numbers on it. They just they just don't survive, and either it's because I go back and I try to refire them, and then yeah. the outside is perfect up to standards, and then the interior glaze goes out. Yeah. So I mean, it's just it's just part of it. Um, I have you know undergraduate history in ceramics, but I've only been making my own tiki mugs for. It hasn't even been a year and a half. You're kidding me. No. The it first, seems longer than that. The first the first tiki mugs I sold in person that I made with my own hands, fired in my own kiln, was December 1st, 2019. Wow. In Santa Ana, the Tiki Land trading event. Did COVID, like, skew my calendar or something? Like, skew, like, the, my per- time, perception of time? It's, I think it's, it skewed all of our perception of time. Yeah, because it, it seems like you've been making mugs longer than that. Been, and especially like looking at the, the artistry in the mug, it, it certainly looks like you're more skilled, more experienced than a year and a half. Well, and I, but I mean, once again, and because there, there, take, there are artists out there that have been in the game for years. Okay, but I, and I thank you for that. But I mean, the other thing people need to maybe know and realize is that like I've been working in the commercial art industry, mold making, dealing with fiberglass, a lot of silicone mold making, mm-hmm. small and large scale. Um, I used to have my own fiberglass mold shop. Okay. So even like all these precast concrete planters that are around the Hotel Valley Ho, I had a part in making all those. Oh, really? Okay. So, so I mean, that's kind of my background. So I've been making molds and doing sculpture on some level either for all of my income or a great portion of my income for about 25 years. Okay. okay. So <clears throat> to get that to translate into ceramics, um, I just needed to push and the support from, you know, my great mentor, Carol Gravem. She's the one, I was going to farm my stuff out. And oh, she's the one who was like, okay. don't you dare. I will, she's like, you already know how to do the hardest part. I will walk you through the other and you will be great. So wow, she's, I love that. She's, and she gave me a huge gift just from that support and that knowledge, that just filling in those blank spots because I wasn't going to touch it. Yeah. Sometimes that's what it takes. Sometimes that all it 100%. takes is that little, that little thing sure. that makes you think like, well, why not me? Why, why, why am I thinking? Well, and I resisted it. Yeah. I fought it for years. Sure. Yeah, because I was like, I know it's it's gonna it's gonna take up a huge space. It's gonna be an investment. It's gonna you know just just the, the and, and, of stuff. and I also think that there's more to it than just that kind of stuff too, because we are human beings and we also fear failure, right? We fear that like we doubt ourselves, right? There there's a motto that I live with every day, and it goes like this: quote, you versus yourself. End quote. Hundred percent. Right. That our biggest enemy is our own selves. It's our own self-doubt. It's our own insecurities. When I say that, uh, you know what, I want to lose 20 pounds. The only person who's talking me out of doing it is me. My wife's not going to, my wife's not going to talk me out of it. My kids or my friends, nobody else is going to talk me out of it. I'm going to tell myself that I can't do it. You versus yourself. But once again, like for me, and that's another thing that I've learned in life is that 
the sweetest rewards are the challenges that I give to myself that's the personally. Other thing. Yeah, and I and I get there. So that's why I'm stubborn about certain projects. That's the other thing. And there's yeah. you know there's projects there's things that people have brought up, but it, you know I I wish I could work 24 hours a day and multiply myself and do them all because I there's so many things I want to do. Yeah, I'm, yeah. 24 hours a day is the great equalizer. That's all we get, right? Right. But you know if I'm if I'm committed. 100% to the pro- and I'm excited about it. If if it's for me, then I kind of I kind of don't keep track of the time. I'd be honest, I mean I'm not like yeah, scribing down like oh, I spent like 8.5 hours on this, so I need to make sure I make this amount of money. Hey, you know I mean, what? if Look, I'm invested, I'm having fun, I'm winning. You're talking I'm to winning. a guy who does a podcast and a YouTube channel. <laughs> as someone who pursues his passions. Yeah. So I'm just like you. I'm not putting like all this time into this podcast calculating how much time I put into every episode. It doesn't matter because I'm passionate about what I'm doing. And so you're going to get a product that reflects that passion, right? It's it's the same reason why... Want. Yeah, it's the same reason why when people go to a 9 to 5, they just do enough to not get fired. Absolutely. Because they're not passionate about it. They're doing no. just enough to keep their job. Where in, in my case, if I'm passionate about what I'm doing, I'll work 100 hours in a week. Yeah. I mean, even this, even coming up for this event, it's crazy. I have had like next to zero sleep for two weeks. Yeah. I am a 50-year-old man now, and I am too old for this crap. But yeah, I was just in it, you know, and I was like, all right, I'm going to try to get this set done. I'm going to try to go to bed at 2 a.m., but I was in the garage and I'm cleaning stuff. There's no, I can't see the light or anything. I'm not watching a clock. But you're things. pursuing your passion. And I was passionate about it. And I was, it was, you know, 7.30 in the morning. The sun's coming yeah, up. Yeah. And I'm like, I got to lay down for a couple hours. I made it. But, but see, this is it. This is. But this, it's, it's food. This is living your Field, truth. Fields my This is living your truth. And I'm good. And, and you're, you're very lucky you're able to do that because most Absolutely. people chase that their whole life. Sure. Well, and they I'm, don't realize it until it's too late. They're, they're already. Well, and I have plenty of people in my life that never realize that for yeah. themselves. They're yeah. no longer with us. So I'm trying to do it to honor them as well. You know, that's, I mean, the that's best awesome. thing I can do is live the best life that I can be the best person that I can be true to myself. And then the way I'm like the best person I can be for the people that are around me too. I love it. I love it. All right. So I want to change gears here for a little bit. Downshift. Let's know. Well, we're going to take this into a, <laughs> into a lighter mood now. I don't want to sound like we're getting too philosophical, but uh, in a fun way, let's, let's, let's do like the, uh, the, uh, the personality questions. I have okay. a very, I'm stretching out. I have a this. very, a very uh, favorite. One of my favorite questions to ask is the superpower question. Oh, yes. If you could have any superpower, what would you choose? Oh, man. See, and I knew, I kind of was like, he's going to ask me this. And I'm like, I got to think of something like really cool. And then, so, and I mean, without doing a lot of, so the best thing is to like go with your gut, right? Well, yeah. You can also think about it. And, uh, and look, so many people, some people have had some like really good answers. There's some really great answers. There's some great really answers. Really great answers, right? And I'd be lying if I said that my gut is the answer that I would go with because some of the answers that I've heard I've thought oh you know what I actually like that I like the teleporting answer oh, that, that's awesome that I could be in Hawaii for breakfast and then be back home but I for can't lunch. say that now because somebody else <laughs> right that's okay we can say that we like that answer so that's going to be our answer or I'd like to be able to eat whatever I want without gaining weight or I'd love to be able to speak the language of my cats and communicate with my pets I that mean there there are a lot of great answers or even the the 
being able to speak any language so that when you travel the world or meet anybody that speaks a different language, now you that can, we can travel you, you again. Can communicate. That could come exactly. In handy. Exactly. So, so what is your superpower? You know, right now, the way that everything's going, I wish I just didn't, I wish I didn't need sleep. I would just love to work all day. <laughs> no, as, as like insane as that sounds, I would just like to be able to pursue what I want to do yeah. 24 hours a day and not yeah. need to recharge my batteries. And so, also I'm saying this knowing that I'm going to be out of commission for like 48 hours. We're like going to stop. We're, we're going to stop right there. We're going to change that word from work to create. You, but as, I love as, my work, so it's not an insult. When I say it, I I don't mean it like it's it's something I'm forced to do. I mean like I enjoy. Right. Well, my you're, if, work. if it's passion, then it's not really work. That's okay. my opinion. Okay. Well, I, it's just for me, it's just the verbiage. But and I don't mean gotcha, like gotcha. I'm suffering. Okay. I mean I'm I'm proud. I'll take to that. Be able to work I'll on take that. verbiage. So right. I, don't, I don't mean it in a negative. Okay. All right. Whatsoever. I got you. I got you. All right. So let's ask the question of time travel. If you can travel anywhere in time, when would you go? I mean, it, as I feel like I'm being lame, but I would go back to the late 50s, early 60s because I just, I'm even now, I never, you know, I was born in 1970, but I can watch like old, I will watch like Bullet. I'll watch it on mute just to see the cars and the people in the background. Yeah. Not watch the movie, just see yeah. all of the surroundings. So, I mean, that would, for me personally, that would just kind of like be a weird dream. If I could teleport, like if I had like, you get to go someplace for 20 minutes. For me, just with my thing, I would just kind of like love to, you know, walk down there and there's the Woolworth on the corner. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I, because everybody kind of makes that period in time like, so, oh, it was so awesome, and I just try to take it in. I just visually try to suck it all in if I could. I mean, I know that's just enjoy it, just absorb it. Just, I mean, even earlier tonight, earlier tonight, <clears throat> we were having dinner, and I was like, "Holy crap, we're actually having like a tiki, a large scale tiki event here in Arizona." It's like we're kind of like breaking the ice again. Everybody, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. people are dipping their toe in the water. Like, hey, it feels safe, and we're having yeah, fun, yeah. and then. I'm having fun, but oh crap, I got to put my mask back. You know, people are testing the waters, but it's happening. Like, we didn't know if we were ever going to get this again. Yeah. So yeah. I actually went out and went out to the front and I was by myself. I just took a little little stroll. Part of it was because I was a little boozy and just needed to stretch my legs. Yeah. But, you know, I sat out there for a minute and there, I did probably what I would have done in that scenario. It was just like, just take it in and be like, hey, this is really happening. You're surrounded with like all these friends and all these people you've just, missed for just so take long. it and enjoy and it and just like be in that <clears throat> be in that moment for myself and just yeah. appreciate it alright <clears throat> question number three if you could spend time with anybody dead or alive real or fictitious who would you choose how long can you hold a pause on this thing <laughs> um, okay and this is going to be an art nerd thing. It's okay. Um, there's, I could give you 50 answers to this or more. I mean, there's there's the obvious ones, <clears throat> but we were talking about art earlier, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out a random art thing and be an art nerd right now. So one of the guys that I absolutely 
couldn't stand but absolutely adore now is a guy named Marcel Duchamp. Yeah, I know that name. <laughs> but the reason I have grown to love him is because of his ready-mades. Okay. If you're familiar with the ready-made concept. So he took ready-made objects that were out in the world, whether it was a, a rack that they would dry out milk, milk bottles that they had washed or whatever, or a urinal... Um, one of his more famous things, he took a he took a like a wooden stool and put a bicycle wheel on the thing. So the point of all that is that maybe the maybe the finished product wasn't like amazing and mind blowing, but it was a thought process behind mm-hmm. it because mm-hmm. it was kind of like a little you know yeah screw you like and but but I mean those manufactured things how slick they were and how they are as. You forget about their utilitarian yeah, use, yeah. and you like observe them as an object that is created that has form. And he brought those things into gallery spaces. So I just think, like at that period in time, he was so snubbed and ridiculed in all the salons. But I mean, that takes some guts. Sure. But he saw something in it that other people didn't see, and I just love the fo- thought that you know he even thought of that. Yeah. So it's just yeah. a little out of the box. So. I'm just a huge fan of thinkers. Got it. Yeah, I love it. All right, final question. What's on your bucket list? Oh, man. <clears throat> well, this last year, we were, you know, everybody had plans to travel and stuff. So, um, you know, I obviously, as far as traveling, my wife has done more traveling than I have. I, I, hate, I hate to admit it, but my... My excursions have been primarily in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, multiple trips to Hawaiian Islands, which obviously we love. But I would like to. I I really want to go to um, Australia, and we got friends over there. And then uh, even um, oh my gosh, my wife really wants to go to Bora Bora. So I think a lot of it. She's put up with some of my crap for so long that I would really like to just travel with her some more so yeah yeah i love it more more traveling because you you experience different things that you wouldn't yes get exposed to 100 <clears throat> percent. and even i mean even hawaii trips which you can take at any time yeah our best our best trips to hawaii and the islands is when we go and you just go off the cuff you don't make an itinerary you yeah. don't plan yeah. stuff out and we've had some of the greatest experiences there when it wasn't planned you just rolled with it and then the thing you know also learned from that trying to go back on another trip yeah and trying to recreate that you can't yeah you might be in the same place it might be the exact same day of the month and a year later but you can't recreate what happened in those events so you right. just got to roll with it and they're just happy surprises and you just i gotta get on that that that's a, an amazing observation that you just made about trying to recreate that experience. i've done it and i failed and you want so it. i don't you, do it you, anymore you have that nostalgia and you think about it for you years. Want, you, you, you have such a good go memory. Back. You want to recreate it. You can't. You, don't, even, can. don't even yeah, try. Don't, you don't even try. You can't. Because the bar is set. The bar is set. And you will always be let down. Yeah. 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 Your memory is your memory is potentially far better than the reality. It, yeah. That, that's, 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 it really is. It really yeah. is. It really Absolutely. is. Yeah. So, so, I mean, my wife and I have learned that. We've had wonderful trips to like. Kauai, multiple trips to Maui, and we we go to the same places, but I've I've just kind of learned to not have those expect expectations of a place because a place can only give you an experience can only give you what you're willing to receive. Yeah, yeah. Completely. I mean, you, 
you can be on a train and rolling through the mountains and it can be beautiful scenery, but if you're looking at your phone, you're going to miss yeah. all of it. Completely. Completely. Well, Rodney, we did it. <laughs> we're, we're all done. Yeah. You're done? We're all done. You can talk for like four more hours. I can. <laughs> <laughs> he wants that to happen. I kind of do. So uh, before we wrap up, let's have our listeners find you online if there's any place oh, that you, you want to promote and if they want to see your work they want to buy any of your goods okay where can we send them so primarily for me right now i i have i have social media i will say that i am lazy about it uh i primarily post on instagram mm-hmm. because I, I i love the the fact that it's you know photo driven um so people can find me at odd rodney on um Instagram, just O is an Oscar, D is in dog, D is in dog, R O D N E Y, all one word. On Instagram, I'm also on Facebook. Um, my art page is Odd Rodney Art, and if people remember, I actually have a website too, which is OddRodney.com. Perfect. Um, there's links on there to whatever that the website. I'm I'm horrible because I have to wear a bunch of hats to do what I do, and I tend to focus on my work and the website and other things kind of suffer because of that but um if people would like to follow me on there they can message me email me all those links are on the website and they can contact me through social media and check Perfect. out what's going on but that's usually right now that's kind of my go-to because i can do it on my phone and i can yeah. do it on the fly yeah. so yeah. got it all right so for all our listeners out there if you want to see odd rodney's work check him out on instagram at odd rodney and show him some love give him a like give him a follow and if you would like to see more from us inside the Desert Oasis Room, you can follow us on our social medias at Polynesian Pop. You can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash Polynesian Pop. And you can listen to future and previous episodes at our website, desertoasisroom.com. Thanks for joining us again for another episode. And until the next time, we are going to bid you a cheers and aloha. Aloha.